text this morning comes from the book of Leviticus. You probably have not heard a lot of sermons out of Leviticus, but it's probably a familiar text. You probably all have this cross stitched at your house somewhere, but let's see. We're in Leviticus chapter 11. Bunch of stuff about what the Israelites were supposed to eat and not eat. I'm going to skip through some of this because it gets a little bit belaboring at times. Um, This should be familiar to you, right? Here we go. Leviticus 11. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, These are the living things you may eat among all animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts a hoof and is cloven-footed, and chews the cud, among the animals you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that, that chew the cud or part the hoof, you may not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, it is unclean for you. The rock badger, if you were concerned about that, the rock badger, because it chews the cud but it does not part the hoof, it is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud and does not part the hoof, it is unclean to you. The pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed but does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You shall not eat of their flesh. You shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. Everything in the waters that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas and the rivers that does not have fins and scales of the swarming creatures of the waters and the living creatures that are in the waters is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable. You shall not eat any flesh. You shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. Right? You all are familiar with this. And these are detestable among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Bats. Don't eat bats are in there. Verse 20. All winged insects that go on all fours are detestable for you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat of those who have jointed legs above their feet with which they hop on the ground. And give some examples here. Grasshoppers are okay if you're wondering. And by these you shall, verse 24, become unclean. Whoever touches their carcasses shall be unclean until evening. And whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Every animal that parts the hoof is not, and, but is not cloven-footed is and does not chew his cut is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean. I'm going to skip down a little further here. Verse 29. And these are unclean to you among the swarming things that swarm on the ground. The mole, rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. I'm going to skip further now. We're going to go all the way to verse 39. A bunch of more stuff you shouldn't eat in there. And if any animal which you may eat, dies. Whoever touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. And whoever eats of its carcass shall wash its clothes and be unclean until evening. Whoever carries the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Every swarming thing that swarms on the ground is detestable. It shall not be eaten. Whatever goes on its belly and whatever goes on all fours and whatever has many feet, any swarming thing that swarms on the ground you shall not eat for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any swarming thing that swarms. You shall not defile yourselves with them and become unclean through them. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. 
For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground. To make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. Riveting stuff, right? Everybody's got this on a mug somewhere in their house, right? I mean, exciting. You can see why there's not a lot of sermon series on the book of Leviticus. It just goes on like this. So today I want to I talk about this. And why is this law in here? And interestingly enough, why don't we follow it if it's in the Bible? And if it's in the Bible and we don't follow it, then this poses a problem because there are other things in the Bible that we do think we should follow. And how do we know the difference? I also had an interesting time with this sermon because this week I spent a lot of time working on a ropes course at an Orthodox Jewish camp. And at this Orthodox Jewish camp, they eat kosher, so they still follow all these rules. So I wrote the sermon last week, and then just this past week, I got to like ask a lot of questions about kosher and why they do it and what it's like. So we're going to just dive in here and see what we can do, but, but I think... This has a lot of questions that a lot of us ask, right? Why do we follow some rules and not other rules? And how do we defend the rules that we do follow? So let's dive in and let's talk about what some of these rules are. First of all, if you're going to need an animal in this text, it has to have a cloven hoof and chew its cud. So cows, in. Horses, not in. Pigs not in. They've got to fulfill both those things. If they've got paws, they're out. we got no dogs in this system. Not eating any dogs. Okay? Fish have to have fins and scales. So you would think, oh, fish have fins and scales. But they don't, right? What, what fish don't have fins and, or scales? What, what, what's that? Dolphins, right? Dolphins aren't even fish. But all right. Um, uh, you've got um, sharks, right? Sharks. Catfish, no skits. Any kind of eel or something like that, there's no fins. So those things are out. Birds, there's not really a rule. There's just a weird list of all these birds they're not supposed to eat. But I talked to my Orthodox Jewish friends. And what they said is if you look at the list, it's basically birds of prey. If it's a bird of prey, they don't eat it. Um, but most other birds, they really can. Turkey's okay. Um, no amphibians, reptiles, insects. There's some specific rules. Actually, kind of interesting. The, 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 the words that we have translated in English, um, grasshopper, no crickets. I mean, some of those Hebrew words are so old that they're not quite sure what the translation is. So most, most Orthodox Jews don't eat insects at all. I wouldn't really miss out if that was my rule either, because that's generally my rule. But I, you know, so, so they just kind of stay away just to be sure. No products from unclean animals. So if you're not allowed to eat the bird, you're not allowed to eat the egg. If you're not allowed to eat the animal, you're not allowed to drink the milk. Okay, so if it's unclean, anything that comes from that animal is unclean. Um, harmful health animals are forbidden. I think actually I kind of skipped over this. If an animal is sick, you're not allowed to eat it, even if you're allowed to eat it. If it's an animal that's, in, that's fair, but it's somehow deformed, somehow sick. If an animal dies of natural causes... It's out. You can't eat it either. Okay? There's all kinds of rules about the blood. I skipped over some of that. What you have to do with the blood. Staying away from the blood. And there's other texts on blood. 
There's rules about soaking and salting and how long you're supposed to do that. Water, if, if an animal dies and it's in water at all, then the water is unclean. You've got to clean yourself afterwards. One of the things that is illegal is in one of these verses is um, that you're not supposed to eat meat cooked in the milk of its mother. Okay, so you can't cook a hamburger in milk. Okay, but, but the Jewish people, my Orthodox friends, they go even a step further and they don't eat dairy with meat at all just to make sure. Okay, so my Jewish friends have never had a cheeseburger. They just, they can't do it because they keep milk products away from regular products. If you want to know what's kosher, get any kind of candy bar. You can go downstairs. We've got packaging on some of the food and watch for this. If there, you probably have seen it, you just didn't know what it was. If there's a little circle with a U inside of it, that stands for the Orthodox Union. And that company paid big bucks for the Orthodox Union, the group, to come in and certify their stuff as kosher. There's a couple other ones that you don't have to pay as much and aren't as stringent. Sometimes there's a triangle with a K in it. Sometimes there's a circle with a K in it. And they say it's okay. That's the, the phrase that the Orthodox Jews use. But they're not as stringent as the circle U. So some Orthodox Jews don't even eat the triangle K. Um, but everybody pretty much eats anything that has a circle and a U. And then what you'll see on your food, if you get a Snickers bar, for example, it'll be a circle U and then there'll be a little D next to it. And the D stands for dairy, which means you're supposed to wait and not eat that at the same meal that you eat meat. Um, vessels are also important. This text doesn't talk about it quite as much. I skipped a little bit of it. Um, but if you're using a utensil on meat, you're not supposed to use the same utensil on dairy. So if you go, I read an article by an, uh, a Messianic Jewish pastor in Israel, and he said when they go to Ikea, there's two restaurants. There's the meat restaurant and there's the dairy restaurant. Some of the stuff sells in both. But what they don't do is they mix up the utensils. So if you eat with a fork in the meat one, you're not allowed to use that same fork on the dairy side. So most restaurants in Israel uh, will have two actual sides and the utensils don't mix. Is that clear to everybody? Everybody glad we don't follow all these? Pigs are especially important, and you see Jesus use pigs in a lot of his stories, for example, because they're specifically mentioned as not being kosher. They're considered a, a dirty animal. They're always in mud if you've ever been around pigs. Um, but also, throughout Israel's history, there were several occasions where they're forced to eat pigs. Okay? And normally, opposing armies would travel with pigs because you can get so much meat out of a pig. Uh, so in Israel, at the time of Jesus, there would be fields with pigs in them. You know, there'd be pig pens around. Not that the Jews could eat the pig, but that the Romans would keep those pigs there. And so pigs became this symbol of being unclean. It became a symbol that really represented the Romans and the occupying armies. So that's why pigs are such a big deal. It's why I titled this sermon... Bacon, because bacon, among all things, are considered unclean because of this history. Now, the question is, why are all these rules in there? Now, first of all, the, some of them might be cleanliness and sanitary. Okay, like probably eating a sick animal is not a good idea. 
Okay, not eating shellfish would probably save some lives because people are sometimes really allergic to shellfish. We can track with some of that. But the reality is, this, this, these animals that are written about as clean, most of them aren't really that clean, right? First of all, why is chewing cud a, an example of what makes an animal clean? Does everybody understand what chewing cud is? It's disgusting. I would probably have made it the other way. The other thing is, some animals, I just don't understand the distinction, right? Okay, pigs are always in the mud, okay? They always keep themselves cool with mud and with dirt. But have you ever been around cows? Cows aren't rolling around in the mud. At least it doesn't smell like mud. I don't think cows are much cleaner than pigs. I don't understand turkeys being much cleaner than eagles. The laws, when, when we think about cleanliness, the animals picked don't really make sense. Why is a catfish unclean when a trout would be considered clean? Doesn't actually add up to much about cleanliness. Doesn't add up to much about health. So why are these laws here? Well, at the end of the text, we get some explanation. It's really not about the cleanliness of the animal. The cleanliness of what they're eating. What's really at stake here is the cleanliness and how set apart the people of Israel are. What does God say? He said, look, I took you out of Egypt. You are my people. Now you're going to live differently. Now you're going to look differently. Now you're going to be reminded that you're supposed to live differently. If you ever try to change your diet, it's like a whole life decision, isn't it? If you've ever had to give up sugars or had to really try to change your diet in some way, it doesn't just affect your mealtime. That's three times a day, but it changes your whole life. And so I think for, for God, these, these people that God is trying to pull apart in Israel and trying to set aside and say, no, you're mine and you're going to live differently. And you know what? To, to make sure you live differently, I'm going to set up this reminder system for you. Where you're going to eat differently. Where every time you go to eat, you're going to wash your hands you're going to be cleansed and you're going to be reminded that you are set apart for my purposes. I think that's why these laws are in there. It's much more than just the cleanliness of the animals. This system doesn't really make that much sense. It's much more about the cleanliness of the people. So the question is then, if we understand these laws, they're in the text. Why don't we follow them? Why do we say we're off the hook? Well, actually, we do that because the New Testament says that. Because the New Testament Christians are trying to decide whether these people who are not Jewish coming into the faith can follow, have to follow all these rules or not. That's why they debate so much about circumcision. Is circumcision that big a deal? No, but it is the way that the Jewish people set aside their men to say we're different. Literally cut into their skin that they're different. And so they're debating. Do, do, so now these Gentiles coming in, do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow our laws? Do they have to eat what we say that we're supposed to eat? And the debate goes on. The early church does not know how to do it. Did not know how to deal with it. And then finally, Peter gets a vision in Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read you the whole story, but I want to read the vision. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. 
and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that was common or unclean. Peter's saying, I followed all these rules. I'm not going to eat this stuff now. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Peter goes on to describe this vision to the disciples. And they begin to understand that God was doing something with the Old Testament law. The way the Bible describes this is that Jesus fulfills the law. Here's the logic. Before, in the Old Testament, there were these laws that you had to follow. And it was really worried about the outside of you. What are you doing? How are you acting? But when Jesus comes, the game changes. He fulfills the law. Part of the understanding is that these laws are in place to help show Israel that they cannot follow the laws and keep up with God's holiness. That they can't ever make it. But when Jesus comes, he fulfills the law for them. So your cleanliness no longer depends on your cleanliness. Your cleanliness, your set-apartness now depends on Jesus, who was perfect even when you can't be and even where you can't be. And the game changes. What does Jesus say? Not just, not just can't you have an affair. But if you even lust at someone with your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Jesus makes the game not about your outside behavior, but about inside of you. What's going on in your heart and your mind? See, as people, as Christians, we are still called to be set apart in this world. But our behavior is not the primary driving force in how we're set apart. You and I are set apart because Christ has paid for us. Because when God looks at you, He doesn't see you anymore. He sees Jesus. And He sees someone who is holy. And therefore, we get the Holy Spirit so that we can start to live a much more set-apart life. But, but the, the cleanliness for us comes first. We're already considered clean, and then we try to start behaving that way. We start trying to live into the holiness that Christ has already given to us. So there are certain laws in the Old Testament that no longer apply. Ceremonial laws. Laws about cleanliness. Laws about sacrifice. Because Jesus was already the sacrifice. We don't have to follow those. There are some laws that are civil laws. That related particularly to that time and that place. There's a law in Leviticus about tattoos. The root of that law was really that um, there were people, there were other religions that were marking themselves up as a, as a point of worship. That wasn't really a problem with tattoos, as much as we as Christians want to cling to that one. The problem really was looking like these people that are worshiping false gods through marking up their body. In fact, only a couple verses away from that verse about tattoos is a verse about having clothing that's all the same material. So you're supposed to have either 100% cotton or 100% polyester or 100% whatever. So if you're going to cling really hard to the tattoo rule, you better also be buying all cotton shirts because it's in the same section. 
Some of those laws really were meant for that time, but there are other laws, moral laws, which direct and guide the way God made our world to work. And those laws hold. And how do we know what those laws are? Well, we got the New Testament. They argued about this for a long time. What could you and couldn't you do? If you go to Paul's letters, particularly to 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you find all these debates. All these debates are going on. And Paul's trying to clarify for them. No, you don't have to do all that Jewish stuff. But, but you do have to watch your behavior. You're still called to be set apart. You're still called to be different than the culture. And so you watch your behavior. You listen to the Holy Spirit. When I look at the church today, there, I think there are a lot of challenges for the church today. But one of the biggest ones is that I don't see us looking very set apart anymore. I think the divorce rate is about the same among people who say that they're Christians. I think behavior, I think language, I think all kinds of things about us looks just like the culture. And you know what that means? That means we're not really that set apart anymore. Now, I, I like bacon, and I don't really want to go back to all these laws. But I do think that having the daily reminder that we are gods and we do not belong to this world anymore would be helpful for us. It would be. Somehow, daily, we need to remind ourselves that we are gods, we are Christ, we are paid for, and we need to live differently. And I think we also need to really celebrate what Christ has done for us that we could not do ourselves. So to celebrate today, we're going to go downstairs and have a picnic in a little bit. And we're going to serve hot dogs, and you're going to be allowed to eat the hot dogs. Isn't that great? And I brought bacon today. So there's going to be bacon downstairs. If you want to put bacon on your hot dog, I intentionally brought bacon today. Um, but even though we are eating bacon and hot dogs, and we may not have that same reminder, remember that you are set apart you are called to be holy because God is holy. You are already considered holy because of what Jesus has done for you. Listen to the Holy Spirit and you live your life in accordance. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus, for his fulfillment of the law. Help us, even though we don't have to follow all of those laws, to still be set apart from the world not by our own behavior, but by who we are in you. And may those areas of our lives that don't line up with that change over time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.